All right, hi, this is Robin Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Now, what we're doing today is we're actually continuing our new series, which is called Reemerge. And even as we are looking to reemerge with Jesus out of the season of trial that we had over this past year with the pandemic and various other things, we want to do it with the knowledge of God's word and the prescriptions that God gives us for the eternal truths of how, regardless of the times or the seasons, how we can really reemerge with Christ into his kingdom promises and purposes. And so last week we talked specifically about reemerging with the promises of God. And this week we're going to actually, instead of talking about a return to the promises of God, this week we're going to be talking about a return to a right lens through which we should see our times, our seasons, and our situations around us. And so we're going to do that today by focusing on this statement, that you will reemerge with Christ when you understand how God sees you that we will reemerge with Christ when we understand how God sees us. And so to do that today, we're going to break the message down into three parts, all going through a portion of a famous passage that Paul the Apostle wrote to the Roman church in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to talk about this in three parts, meaning no condemnation, number two, no greater identity, and then number three, no greater destiny. All of these things helping us to have the proper lens from which God sees us and therefore enabling us to have the confidence to reemerge with Jesus Christ. And so before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us to not only give us a knowledge of yourself, but to strengthen us for your kingdom promises and purposes. God, we pray that as we read your word today, you would strengthen us by the truths and also the great love that you have for us as expressed through your word in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So let's look today in Romans chapter eight. What we're doing is we're trying to understand how to reemerge in our identity in Christ and in the purposes and the promises of Christ by having the lens is firmly embedded in us with which God looks at us. And so Romans chapter eight, it was going to start off with talking about no condemnation. And again, this is the apostle Paul writing to the early church. And he's writing to the early church, giving them the foundation of a gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And in this good news, God was not only talking about where we stood as humanity before God and our place of being separated from him because of our sin. And that's all of humanity, no matter who you are, no matter how good you thought you were or where you grew up or what type of accolades or achievements that you had. God said that we all started in a place separated from God because of our sin. And in essence, because of that, we needed a savior. But the good news or the gospel was is that God provided a savior to us in the person of the historic Jesus of Nazareth who came and lived the life that we should have lived, died the sacrificial death on the cross that you and I should have died to reconcile us to a holy God. And then because of his innocence was raised three days later so we could have new life and eternal life in him. And so Paul, as he continues this uh, discourse on the good news of Jesus, when we get to Romans chapter 8, he's basically giving the 
Roman, the new church, the new believers, an identity that's founded in God. But it really starts with that idea of no condemnation, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus accomplished for us. And that's important if we're going to have the confidence to come out of a season of trial and reemerge into the promises and purposes of God, because if we're feeling condemned all the time, we won't have the strength, the courage, or the ability to move forward in faith in that which God called us to do. So let's open to Romans chapter 1 and start in this passage. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so when we really talk about this idea of re-emerging with Christ and the, the, the reality that we need to re-emerge with him by seeing ourselves as God himself sees us, we need to see that right here Paul's reaffirming, reiterating this good news of the gospel. And he's saying that to have the confidence to come out of a season of trial and actually have hope that things are going to be better, things are going to look ahead, that God will in fact once again fulfill his purposes in and through you, even after a time of trial. You've got to have the confidence to know that even if during that season of trial you made mistakes, that you yourself sinned, that you yourself came out of a time where it felt like you didn't have the strength to do the things that you knew you ought to do, or you didn't have the encouragement to really press ahead in the way that you had, maybe in times past. This is what Paul's addressing here, where he says immediately what you need to understand about how God sees you is that now in Christ Jesus, if you find yourself in Jesus, despite your past, despite what you've done prior to this point, he says, when you come to the cross of Christ and receive what Jesus did for you by his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead, he says, this is the beauty. There is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, what does that mean? Well, what we know is that the law of sin and death was the law that all of us were obligated to. When you look even in the Old Testament of the 600 plus laws that were given in the Old Testament that were righteous requirements where God was saying, if you want to live a holy life, these are the things that I expect of you. They were things that were good, but there were things that ultimately no man or no woman besides Jesus Christ ever fulfilled perfectly. And if you've ever been in a religious circle before and felt like you want to do what's right before God, but what weighs you down is a feeling of condemnation that you can never measure up. The truth of the matter is, is that you are again in good company. 
Because the truth of the matter is, in and of ourselves, no one can measure up to God's perfect and righteous standards. And the law of sin and death really tells us how we fall short of God's perfection and his holiness, his love, his kindness, his grace, and his peace. We all know that we've not done that perfectly, not only throughout our lifetimes, but probably not today, right? Even as we've gotten ready to worship God and get ready to worship at um, church today, probably even this morning, if you have interactions with a roommate, a family member, or a, a child, you might not have done that perfectly today. But God says, listen, this is the truth of the matter. No one has except Jesus. And the law of, the, of sin and death was that which was showing you how we are not like Jesus to show us our need for a Savior. Because ultimately, the wages or what we earn for our sin is death before God. It's our payment. It's what we deserve whenever we choose to live differently than God. We're separated from Him, and death is the result. But he says that that law ultimately shows you your shortcomings, showing you that you need a Savior. And when Jesus shows up in your life and on the scene, what he does is he brings you out of the law of sin and death, just showing you your shortcomings, to the law of the Spirit of life. And the law of the Spirit of life is basically how you're going to live by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that allows you to live differently. You are born again when you become a Christian, set free from your slavery and your bondage to the old man or the old woman that you used to be. And you're empowered by the Spirit of God to live differently. And he brings you into the law expectations that God still has of his people but it's not the law of sin and death, but it's the law of the Spirit of life. The Holy Spirit brings you into the freedom of the glorious fruit of the Holy Spirit and the purposes of God fulfilled by the promises of God. And this is what he's talking about here. He says there's no more condemnation for those who crossed over because Jesus in his earthly ministry, what he did is he fulfilled, according to Romans 8, 4, that he fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law for each and every believer so that no longer do you have to fulfill the law on your own because Jesus has already fulfilled it for you. That every expectation that God ever had spoken about in his word, Jesus fulfilled it for you. And not only did Jesus fulfill it for you, he gave you his record. He gave you his right standing with the Father. And therefore, there's no condemnation because there was none upon Jesus. And because there was no condemnation upon Jesus because he fulfilled the requirements of God perfectly and then gave you that record, his righteousness, so that his record could be your own, what that means is that there's no more condemnation for you because there can be no condemnation for Christ who actually fulfilled it perfectly. And so what we see is there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus meaning they are covered by his blood and his righteousness and the record that he accomplished for us by his perfect life that he lived for us during his earthly ministry, then ultimately paying the price for our shortcomings on the cross and rising from the dead so that we can not only have forgiveness but new life in him. There is this as the first perspective, the first lens that we need to get in us, that I'm free despite my mistakes on a daily basis when I come back to the cross and I come back to the place of saying, God, forgive me for my shortcomings. And once again, cleanse me by the blood of Christ. What that means is that once again, there's no condemnation for me because Christ's record is my record. 
And when God looks at me, he sees not my shortcomings, but Christ's perfection. And therefore, when I'm trying to reemerge, even out of times of trial and move forward in the purposes of God, I have to have the confidence that there's no condemnation for me. Because when I'm giving myself to the law of the spirit of life, that means I'm giving myself to that which God wants to do, and Christ's record is my record. Now, what he says is how to do this, how we move forward in the law of the spirit of life, is very, very practical. I love it. In verse 5, he says, For those who live according to the flesh, meaning the sinful nature which is standing opposed to God, he says, those who live according to the flesh set their mind on what the flesh desires. When I'm thinking about things that are uh, if, uh, in my previous way of life, when I was thinking about the party scene, or I was thinking about sexual immorality, or I was thinking about drunkenness, or I was thinking about lying or stealing or cheating um, people or uh, deceiving people just to get ahead, all of those things were me setting my mind on what the sinful nature or the flesh desires. And Christians can actually even find themselves falling back into those things if they don't have this Romans 8, 5 context as their standard. He says, if you set your mind on what the flesh desires, you're going to live in accordance with it. And ultimately, that leads to death and destruction. But if you set your mind on what the Spirit desires, you'll live in accordance with the Holy Spirit. See, and this is so practical that I come out of condemnation, not only by knowing that God's record, Jesus' record, is my record as I stand before God on a daily basis, but that I can actually walk in with him and in the freedom of that which he provided um, for me by practically doing this simple thing, choosing not to set my mind on what my sinful nature desires, but instead coming out of that condemnation and setting my mind on what the Holy Spirit desires. Very practical, right? And so if I set my mind on what God desires, and the way to do that is meditating on his word, day and night, day and night. You see, that's what God long ago had spoken about through the uh, general, the military general Joshua, the successor of the prophet Moses in Israel. And he commanded him, set this law in your mouth, in your heart, and meditate on it day and night so that you might be prosperous and successful in everything that you do. That is the very way that you actually set your mind on what the Spirit desires. And when you do that, God himself fills you and empowers you to live according to or in step with the Holy Spirit so that you don't have to live in the ways that lead to condemnation. Very practical, right? And so when I see that this is the freedom that God has given me and that this is how God looks at me, that God says, if you, see, you can actually be one who, like Jesus, thinks the thoughts of God. You can, like Jesus, come out of the ways that are condemned because you're setting your mind on what the Spirit desires rather than on what the flesh desires. And therefore, you'll live in accordance, in step with the Holy Spirit of God. This is how God looks at you. He says, I've given this to you. Now rise up in faith and live that way. That's how we live with no condemnation in our lives. But it's not just having a place of no condemnation. It's understanding that the identity that God's given us, there's no greater identity that we can have in this world. And this is what Paul continues to talk about in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. He says, you, however... You, however, are not those who are going to set your mind on what the flesh desires and that lead you to destruction. But you, however, are not of the flesh, but of the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so what God, what you're seeing here is understanding this. I want to reemerge with Christ, come into the new creation that God has actually made me come out of my season of trial into the season of promise and purpose that God has for me. What I've got to do is not only see that there's no condemnation for me in Christ, but there's no greater identity than the one that he's given me. And what the identity that he's given me is the one of a child of God. And as a child of God, you've got to know that as a good father, God is always looking to fight for his children. He is always looking to bless his children when they do right, discipline them when they do wrong, so that they can participate in his holiness and come fully into the kingdom purposes that he has for them. See, God is a champion of his people. He's not only a warrior who fights on behalf of his own purposes, he fights for the people who are going to fulfill those purposes. And what God's saying here is that there is no greater identity than the fact that if you are a child of God, then the Holy Spirit of God, meaning the third person of the Trinity, actually lives within you. When you're born again, you are made a new creation and God, the eternal one, comes to live inside of you by his Holy Spirit. And by that Holy Spirit, he gives you an identity that says, I'm fighting for you because you belong to me. You're my child. And what's mine, God says, is ultimately yours. And so in this earth, in this life, you need to have that mentality. As well as in the life to come, that which God is giving us as an inheritance comes only because we are his children. He's adopted us through Christ into the family line of God, and thus we're treated as children of God, receiving that which his children should inherit and um, receive. But it's very important that we understand our identity and we actually get our identity straight. We get our identity straight by understanding whether or not we're just religious people or people who actually belong to Christ. Because the Bible says very clearly, but if Christ is in you, I'm sorry, he says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And there are plenty of people who've grown up in the church over the years and have heard all about God, but never been transformed by God. Meaning they've never submitted to God as their Lord. You see, if Jesus is going to show up in your life and bring you not only out of your season of trial, but out of a literal life of sin, death, and destruction, you've got to serve and submit to him as Lord. And when you do, then he makes you a new creation. Then he gives you his spirit to empower you to live free of the slavery you previously found yourself in. But before that time, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, then you don't actually belong to Christ. And this is very important because what that means is that you can grow up in church and religious circles all your life, but never be born again. Never have confessed Jesus as Lord of your life. And therefore, not belong to him. You might be religious, you might call yourself spiritual, but you don't belong to him because you don't have his spirit. You see, I know who my children are because they've got my DNA in them. 
If you look at them, there's no getting around it. They look like me. Them Fisher jeans are strong jeans, okay? And the thing about it is, is that I can tell who my children are just by looking at them, and oftentimes by certain personality traits, right, that exist in both my wife and I. They're found in our children. And it should be the same with God, that when God's Spirit is in us, then we see that we look like Him. That's the way you know, right? Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. No good tree can bear bad fruit, neither can a bad tree bear good fruit. Thus, by your fruit, Jesus said, you will recognize people who actually have been transformed by him and belong to him. And if they do not have the spirit of Christ, they're going to live in the same bondage they used to, though they call on the name of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? There are going to be many who come to me on that day and say, Lord, didn't we prophesy? in your name? Didn't we work miracles in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? All very spiritual things. And he's going to have to say on the day of judgment to many people, away from me, you evildoer, I never knew you. Why? Because they called him Lord, but they never lived as if he was. Why? Because they didn't have the spirit of God in them. And therefore they didn't have the DNA of God in them to transform them, to make them a person who would actually belong to Christ. But this is the identity. This is a lens that God wants to give you. He says, I want you to know there's no greater identity than actually being called my child and actually having an inheritance because you are my child knowing that I'm for you, not against you, that I'm fighting for you, that I'm coming to lift your head, even in times of trial and distress. Why? Because you belong to me when you have the spirit of Christ, when you call Jesus Lord and have submitted to him, allowing him to make you a new creation. And he says, if you do this, this identity is one that rejuvenates you day by day. Why? Because according to Paul in Romans 8:11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That means day by day, you can re-emerge out of trial because every day that I experience challenge, I'm going back to God to get a refilling and say, God, once again, I feel depleted. Once again, I might even feel discouraged. I might feel downtrodden and beaten down. But I know that just as Christ was put in the grave, but that spirit that raised him from the dead is now living in me. God, you too can... Breathe new life into me and raise me from the dead as well so that as I live out my identity as a child of God, there's nothing that can keep me down forever. Why? Because even in death, I will live again because I serve the one who is the resurrection and the life. And though I die, yet will I live because of him. And that spirit is available to you as a child of God each and every day so that daily, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what season you've come out of, you can reemerge with Christ. But it's not just knowing that there's no condemnation for you. It's not just knowing that there's no greater identity. It's understanding too, the destiny that God's given you, that there's no greater destiny. You need to have the confidence to know that there's no greater destiny than the one that God's given you in Christ Jesus. And this is where Paul um, summarizes it in Romans 8, chapter 12. He says, so then brothers, so then brothers, <clears throat> we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all 
who were led, are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, which means daddy. Intimate language, right? Abba, daddy, father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so we see there's no greater destiny that we have than the one found in Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is, is that once we realize there's no condemnation for us, once we realize our identity, that we're not obligated to the flesh any longer, but we're obligated to the spirit who sets us free and we can live out of our trials, even in the midst of our trials by the spirit of God. We don't have to fall back into fear anymore. Why? Because we've been adopted as sons, and the God who's made himself known to us comes so near and so intimately to us that he says, I want you to call me daddy, Abba, father. That's a spirit who's inside of you that cries out, Abba, father, that you have a God who is a great and glorious father to you, who says, I want to give you the most delightful inheritance, the most delightful inheritance of any nation. If you would but follow me, he says, there's no greater destiny than understanding that even through times of trial and suffering, even through times of trial and suffering, it does not contaminate that promise that there's no condemnation. It does not remove the reality of your identity as a child of God. But he says, if you suffer with him, and that's not just in the types of sufferings that we experienced in the past year with the pandemic, but it's also as we do God's business and make God known, right? Showing and sharing his good news and his love with the world around us that it won't always be received well. Why? Because Jesus said, if they received me, they'll receive you. As you explain and proclaim this good news of reconciliation with God through the cross of Christ. But if they don't receive you, don't take it personally. They didn't receive me either. And they wouldn't have received me either. And sometimes that comes with suffering. Even as we're doing the great task of making disciples of all the nations, sometimes even that comes with persecution and suffering. But he says, Christian, understand this, that if we suffer with him, if we suffer with him, our great destiny is that we'll also be glorified with him. We'll also be glorified with him, meaning glory, one who's honored, Right? You see, Jesus, when he laid down his life, he was given the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every tongue should confess and every knee should bow, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. He was honored as the unique soul son of God by his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. And then he calls us to follow him, to suffer with him, to make him known, not only to know him, but to make him known and come into that suffering that we might also be glorified with him, that we might, in fact, according to the scripture, be co-heirs with Christ. You see, that's ultimately what our life is about. 
that whatever you do in your job, whatever you do in your family, whatever you do in the community, it's to know God and make God known. And if that comes with suffering, do know this, just as Christ was glorified, you too will also be glorified in him. That just as Jesus rose from the dead, you too will rise with him in new life and eternal life in him. And he says, if you suffer with him, your destiny, then there's no greater destiny, is that you will also be honored with him. By who? By the world around you? No, not necessarily. But by the only one that matters, the eternal God who stands as judge over all heaven and earth and before whom all heaven and earth will have to stand and give an account one day for their lives. And if you're going to be honored or glorified by anyone, you want to be honored and glorified by him. And that is the promise. That is the promise of your destiny as you give yourself wholly to Christ. And so as we come back into this place of understanding, okay, it's been a time and a season of trial where it seems that people have been confused about what life is about and where, the, where they need to focus their attention and their efforts and their resources again. We remember once again through the scripture that we're going to re-emerge with Christ when we have the right lens and see ourselves as God himself sees us. That this is ultimately our destiny to suffer and be glorified with Christ knowing that there's no greater identity than being called his child and that ultimately we're able to walk in it because there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. And so as we end today, we'll continue to talk about more principles of how to re-emerge in Christ. Let's adopt and receive the identity that God has for us, understanding how he sees us so that we might have the confidence to re-emerge into the purposes of God again today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. And so what we want to do is stop and say, first and foremost, if there's anyone today who realizes I've heard about Christ before, but you know what? I know that I don't have the Spirit of God. I know that I've heard about Jesus, but I've never submitted to Him as Lord. And though I've been religious or even called myself spiritual, I know that if I were to stand before God today, regardless of the empty platitudes that people want to give me, I know that God wouldn't call me His child. His creation, yes, but not His child. And I know that I need to finally bow my knee, put my faith in Jesus, and be made new today by the living God, by the Spirit of God. And if that's you, would you pray this prayer with me today? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've been a sinner, and I know that I've lived in such a way that deserves death and hell, because I've lived with my mind set on the things of the flesh which lead to destruction rather than on what the Spirit desires that leads to life. But God, I say that I'm sorry today and I want to be reconciled to you. I want to come back into friendship with you and receive your good news of what Jesus did for me on the cross so that I could be adopted as your own. God, I do believe that Jesus paid the price completely for me on that cross and because of his innocence was raised three days later from the dead. Finally today, God, I say he's my Lord and I'm asking you to make me a new creation to make me a new person and free me to live in obedience to your commands by faith for the rest of my days. God, help me to love you as you've loved me forevermore. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Now the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God says he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in Christ with a community of faith who also loves him and is setting their mind on that which the spirit desires. And for the rest of us, I wanna pray for us that we would actually live free of condemnation in the great identity that he's given us and finally walk together into the destiny that he's called us to for his kingdom purposes. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today and for anybody who through this past season has been weighed down, loaded down with condemnation. God, I pray by your word and your spirit, you would breathe and meet them right where they are today and set them free from the weight of condemnation, the lies of the enemy, that they would once again cling to and take up this work that proclaims there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set them free from the law of sin and death. And God, I pray that you would teach them how to take up their identity as the children of God, <clears throat> that you would enable them to have their minds set on what you desire by your word, and that you would bring them, even in times of suffering, to the great destiny that you have in them for them rather, glorifying them in Christ. <coughs> in your now, over the course of this week, we'll be discussing these things in our community groups. And so if you've not yet found one, please do visit our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you this week, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And in addition, please do share this link with others who also need to be strengthened by the grace of God. Until then, have a great week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon. Take care.